Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. This is Ion Veterans Weekend. A roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. There are nearly 20 million, 20 million military, military veterans, veterans in, in the, the U.S. Each week, we focus on their stories. Powered by ConnectingVets.com. This, this is CBS Ion Veterans. Ion Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now we'll start this week by meeting a Navy veteran who's fighting for homeless vets. And her own story of being homeless while serving our country will blow your mind. What I didn't know was that Fort Carswell down in Fort Worth, Texas did not have base housing for um, sailors that had dependents. I can remember going to, going to the Lancaster Community Center because they allow veterans to get in for free and use the gym and, and their uh, aquatic facilities. And I remember going there and pretending to use the pool just so he and I could take a shower. And we'll also hear about an inspiring resource for the caregivers, those who dedicate their lives to supporting wounded and injured veterans. We had the CEOs of Wounded Warrior Project and the Elizabeth Bill Foundation, um, and they both shared recipes for healthy tacos. Well, we've also done relaxation breathing. We've done workouts together. Um, we've tried to just have a spectrum of topics to discuss. That's all coming at you next. Now we'll start off today by talking about the Ms. Veteran America competition, which I quickly learned is not a beauty pageant. But when I asked our next guest, Lieutenant Yvonne Armstrong, an econ professor at the United States Naval Academy, to send me a description of this particular event, well, what I received was so much more. Let me read what she wrote. The Ms. Veteran America competition is a fundraiser for Final Salute Incorporated. It's also a unique opportunity for women and veterans and active duty personnel to highlight grace, poise, and beauty beyond the uniform. 
Depending on your particular career field, military service dissuades many of the feminine trappings of civilian life. And rightfully so. We're racked and stacked based on competence and performance. But the Ms. Veteran competition is a chance for women in uniform to reclaim that sense of femininity that the world often never sees. We are, after all, wives, mothers, sisters, loving friends, and servant leaders that come together to fundraise and bring awareness to the plight of homeless women veterans and their children. And it's with that, and that especially important final sentence, the plight of homeless women veterans, that I'm proud to introduce to you, Lieutenant Yvonne Armstrong. Hello. How are you, Yvonne? Very well, very well. Thank you so much for having me on this platform. I appreciate it. I'm good. I tell you, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of like what's getting ready to go on and of your story because uh, before we hear about the great work that Final Salute Incorporated does and how they assist women veterans with homelessness, tell me about your experience because it was this that just drew me in. It was this that just made my jaw drop to think that this can actually happen <laughs> in the United States military. But uh, go with me now back to kind of the beginning of that story around, what was it, 2003, young enlisted sailor Yvonne? So I, I am a daughter of the Deep South, originally from uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, this was never supposed to be in the forecast to me. I was groomed to marry a, a preacher, a bishop, whatever you think of those sorts of things, um, to stay at home. And um, I found myself at 23 years old. My mom had just passed away of a massive heart attack at church. Uh, subsequent to that, my father, um, they had been together since they were 16. He had a nervous breakdown and was no support at all. Mm. Um, I was also divorced. So I had no support system, no money, um, and no job. I went to a job fair, and the only job that called me back was the Navy. Um, while I was waiting to process, I got two other jobs. I was working as a maid, so I would clean homes uh, in and around Dallas, Texas. And I was also a promotional model, uh, passing out newspapers on the street, just doing promos of food. The Navy called me back, went to boot camp. Uh, my twin sister helped me out a little bit. She, at the time, she was in New York. I enlisted as a mess cook. And I just needed, I needed some money. I needed some stability. I needed a way to take care of my son. Um, what I didn't know was that um, Fort Carswell down in Fort Worth, Texas, did not have base housing for um, sailors that had dependents. So I found myself um, in between homes, if you will, not quite having a place to stay uh, with myself and my older older son, Zion. And probably at our lowest point, I can remember going to, there was a suburb of Dallas called Lancaster, going to the Lancaster Community Center because they allowed veterans to get in for free and use the gym and, and their uh, aquatic facilities. And I remember going there and pretending to use the pool just so he and I could take a shower. And that was, that was probably my lowest point. Um, and that led me to where I am today. Um, ultimately, through perseverance, endurance, um, I applied for a commission, uh, received my commission in 2010. And today, I am a professor of economics at the United States Naval Academy. 
Um, the wonderful irony in that is I get to see my older son every day because he's also a midshipman. And my younger son um, has so much to aspire to. He has never had to experience um, what my older son experienced, but he gets to see his mom and his brother in uniform, and he gets to see me serve my country and my community. So that's what I'm most excited about. Mm. And before we get into how that ties in with, again, the organization Final Salute Incorporated, um, so much I want to say there. One is, how could that even be that an enlisted sailor stationed somewhere in America uh, could not have gone to their chief or their senior chief or the command master sergeant of the base there or something and, and, and explained that they need housing? I mean, that actually happens in the modern military. Well, I mean, Phil, you were enlisted, so yeah. you would know better than anybody else. You're not making a lot of money. Nobody joins the military to get rich. You take any E3, E4, you're, you're just barely getting by and throw in a dependent, maybe a little credit card debt. <laughs> you're at or below the poverty level then. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I was going to say divorce is something that happens you know, very often within the military. I mean, oftentimes these relationships are forged, you know, on kind of a sweetheart status before one joined the military and then they get there and they realize the traveling and the, uh, you know, the burdens you have to bear of just kind of being a single mom or a single dad. Uh, sometimes the relationships don't work and they break. And then boy, that there's that service member. If they're left with their child, not making a whole lot, was it pride? Was it, or what was it that kept you from saying, Hey, Anyone in my division, I need help. I need a roommate. I need to come live with you. That's a great question. Um, growing up, I didn't grow up on public assistance. That was not my experience. I came from a two-parent household. We were probably poor, but I never really knew it. So um, it, was, it was never my knee-jerk reaction to say, hey, I'm just going to trot on down to social services and get some help. Um, it was also taboo to discuss those things. We're talking about 2003 um, and welcoming women into to military service was it, was, it was still a very chilly relationship. Not only are you here, but now you're a single mom. Oh my God. Now we have to deal with that. So imagine talking to a chief, you know, a chief's been in over 20 years, yeah, yeah. between 20, 30 years. And here you have some single mom affecting unit readiness and you don't want to be the person affecting unit readiness. Oh, now we can't deploy because you and your kid and you knew this before you joined. So it was not something that I wanted to bring to the table. I wanted to be ready. I wanted to serve. I wanted to prove that I could do this. I wanted to Roger up and go to work just like anybody else. Um, as far as having a roommate, I mean, I was just really protective over my son. I, I didn't even fathom getting a roommate that never crossed my mind. It was, how can I make this work? And we'll be right back to hear how Lieutenant Yvonne Armstrong went from homeless to the heights of the U.S. Navy and now seeks the crown of Miss Veteran America when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, in our last segment, we heard about the Ms. Veteran America contest, 
where women vets from around the country joined together to help fellow veterans struggling to find a home. And among the women competing for the title of Miss Veteran America is former Navy Lieutenant Yvonne Armstrong. She told us how the contest itself is really just a way to raise awareness to the issue of homeless women veterans and children and to raise funds for an organization dedicated to helping homeless veterans a final salute. She also told us that she herself, while an enlisted sailor in the Navy, actually struggled with homelessness. The Navy called me back, went to boot camp, and I just needed, I needed some money. I needed some stability. I needed a way to take care of my son. What I didn't know was that um, Fort Carswell down in Fort Worth, Texas, did not have base housing for um, sailors that had dependents. So I found myself um, in between homes, if you will, not quite having a place to stay uh, with myself and my older, older son, Zion. We'll pick back up at the part of our interview where she discussed going from homeless to achieving new heights in the U.S. Navy. Slowly but surely, there were times where I could remember very vividly going to McDonald's and only purchasing him something to eat. Wow. Because they had a dollar menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, yeah. if I got him a burger and I got him some fries plus tax, that was $2.14, and, and I could get him a cup of water. So that was about all the money I had. Mm. So that I, I was just figuring out, how can I make this work? How can I survive military service? It, it was At that time, it wasn't just military service. It was my job. I was just trying to trying to eat, trying to take care of him. Mm. But still you managed to kind of just buckle down and instead of giving up, giving in, or looking for some more help, you doubled down your efforts and eventually got an officer candidate package. And next thing you know, boom, you, you are what we call a Mustang. Rise up from the ranks and went, and went to OCS. I mean, that alone is just... We could end it right here and say that is the most incredible story. And that is a beautiful example of what we should all aspire to. But rather, we'll kind of pivot here because we are talking about Ms. Vet America. And we are talking about this, uh, uh, this beauty pageant, if you will, this beauty and skills competition that is to benefit an incredible organization with a very similar story. Share with me why you find kind of a kindred spirit in Final Salute Incorporated and what it's based on. Let me first say that I'm not... I am no longer modeling. I don't have any platform that I'm promoting in in the sphere of modeling or the pageant world. Sure. What drew me What drew me to this is um, when I received my assignment at the United States Naval Academy. I was just trying to Google service organizations for veterans, and um, Final Salute came up, and it is a 501c3 that caters to meeting the needs and providing. Uh, safe and suitable housing for women, veterans, and their children. And I said, hmm, that's pretty interest- interesting. That kind of sounds like something I'd be really willing to do. And um, researching Final Salute, I discovered this Miss Vet America pageant. And I said, well, let me look and find out a little bit more about this. So Final Salute is a 501c3. Uh, their mission and purpose is to provide safe and suitable housing for female veterans and their children. Uh, It was started by Major Jazz Booth in 2010 uh, because her 
experience was so similar to my own. She found herself a commissioned officer in the Army, a single mom, getting ready to deploy with her unit to uh, Iraq. And in the midst of her uh, pre-mobilization training, uh, Hurricane Katrina happened. So she was homeless. And then, subsequent to that, she was diagnosed with an aggressive form of head, neck, and throat cancer. And I said, whoa, this lady has really been through the ringer. She survived several rounds of treatment. Um, She continued her military service. And what she did for the community is final salute. She said, I have to give back to these women, the women who were experiencing homelessness with their children just like me. That's what drew me to the organization. Um, And her signature event is the Miss Veteran America pageant. And it's not a pageant. Let me correct myself. It's not a pageant. It's a competition highlighting grace, poise, and beauty. Um, The women beyond the uniform. I think it's so easy to view female veterans as a myopic group. We're not all G.I. Jane. We're not all in tip-top shape. Um, We're so diverse. We're wives, mothers, friends. I mean, they're just anything you could imagine. Anything that you see in the civilian world is exactly what you see in military service. Um, But this pageant is a chance for um, veteran female to compete, to become the chief advocate, if you will. It's not just a crown and a sash. What we are doing is rogering up and saying, I will work for you for a year, and I will advocate for these women and their children. I will contact Congress. I will contact uh, Senate. I will do whatever I can to beat that war drum and to draw everyone's attention to the plight of these women and their children. Um, Many of the safety net programs set up for veterans cater to the male veteran population. and. I don't think that that's intentional. I just think that that's, that's kind of the way it panned out. When you have a, a homeless shelter for veterans, approximately 80% of those people may be single male. Mm-hmm. And there's really no consideration for what if we have a female vet? What if she has experienced some sort of military sexual trauma? What if she has minor children? And in those homeless shelters uh, that cater towards vets, you have um, some of those male veterans that are um, sexual predators, that are sex offenders, um, that really should not be in the same living space with um, minor children or um, people of the opposite sex. It's it's not Mm -hmm. a safe environment. So that's what Final Salute does. It says, hey, we have these transitional houses. And we are willing to house you and your children in a safe place. And not only that, we will help you. We have the three signature programs, the home program, that's the transitional housing. We have the safe program that provides financial counseling and coaching. And it it empowers women to become financially independent so that ultimately they can be out on their own. And they can maintain their own households and their own budgets. And then we have Project Next Uniform. That's preparing them for the civilian workforce, where we provide them with professional headshots. We provide them with uh, resume writing, um, interview coaching, and with um, business attire. Hmm. 
to attend uniform uh, to attend interviews in. So I, I just thought, you know what, this lady's life is so similar to my own testimony. How could I not volunteer and help this organization? This is the first pageant that I've or competition of this nature that I've participated in. But because of that mission and purpose, because I feel like I can empathize, because I feel like everything I went through is for such a time as this, to come back and to connect with these women. You know, I've always hated when you have a manager, a a captain, a CEO, some admiral, and they treat you like those people. They're not those people to me. Those people are me. She was me. Mm. 17 years ago, that was me. And that's why I'm doing this. You are changing the narrative just by doing this, just by participating, just by getting your story out there. Uh, you know, you're really doing something huge. And I can honestly say very rarely, I don't think ever in my service as an enlisted guy that I ever meet anyone with a couple bars on the collar that had a story like this. And uh, who knows? I, you know, maybe I never knew. Maybe I just never knew some of the officers I worked with. But gosh, to know that from... You know, that humble background, you've done what you've done and wanting to contribute to help bring young women up. Uh, Just a beautiful story. Now, the story doesn't end there. And when we get back, we'll hear how you can help support veterans like Yvonne Armstrong in her quest to be crowned Miss Veteran 2020 and help end veteran homelessness by supporting a final salute. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Phil Briggs from ConnectingVets.com and a proud Navy veteran. Now this hour, we've been talking about homeless veterans and specifically the plight of women veterans with children who have no reliable housing. Now enter the Miss Veteran 2020 competition and the female veterans dedicated to making a difference. Among them is Navy veteran and professor at the United States Naval Academy, Lieutenant Yvonne Armstrong. Though right now, she currently enjoys career success. As she shared earlier this hour, she knows the plight of being homeless. Because, as a young enlisted Navy sailor trying to raise her son, she too was homeless. I needed some money. I needed some stability. I needed a way to take care of my son. Um, What I didn't know was that... um, Fort Carswell down in Fort Worth, Texas, did not have base housing for um, sailors that had dependents. In this modern military era, it's hard to imagine a service member being homeless while serving on active duty. But as Armstrong told us earlier this hour, for a woman, getting the help she needed was not always that easy. Welcoming women into to military service was it was it was still a very chilly relationship. Not only are you here, but now you're a single mom. Oh, my God. Now we have to deal with that. So imagine talking to a chief. You know, a chief's been in over 20 years, between 20, 30 years. And here you have some single mom affecting unit readiness. And you don't want to be the person affecting unit readiness. Oh, now we can't deploy because you and your kid and you knew this before you joined. So it was not something that I wanted to bring to the table. I wanted to be ready. I wanted to serve.
Now in this next part of our interview, we discussed how all of us can help the organization Final Salute ensure no woman and her children have to struggle without a home. But we also heard how the pandemic has seriously affected this year's plans. So all of the events that we had scheduled have been canceled in the best interest of public safety. But what you can do um, is you can follow my Twitter page, Yvonne, Y-V-O-N-N-E-A, for M-V-A, 2020. That's my Twitter page. You can follow me on Facebook. Uh, I'm listed under my real name, Yvonne Armstrong, and my competition page is also Yvonne A. Four, the number four, MBA 2020. Um, you can like a comment, you can share a post, and you can donate. I know this is a this is such a weird time to be asking people to donate. We with unprecedented levels of unemployment and a looming economic depression. But even with all of that being said, the homeless veteran population is skyrocketing. Yeah, it's it's. It's even greater than the civilian population, and every little bit helps. I have a Facebook fundraiser that you can donate to. Uh, even if it's just a dollar, that money goes towards feeding, clothing, and providing essential services to um, female veterans and their children. Anything from uh, transportation to their doctor's appointment, um, grocery items, things like deodorant or household items like toilet paper. Um, it, just every little bit can help. So that's how you can support. You could also um, check out Final Salute's website, www.finalsaluteinc.org. You can make direct donations there and just support. If you know a, a member of Congress or Senate and there's a bill that is, is on the floor, please get the word out. Tell people to support it. Tell them to write letters to their uh, congressperson, to their local senator, support this bill, because she served, too. I think the, the DOD has an image problem where you just like, you know, you, from the, a civilian's point of view, you just think everybody deploying to Iraq, Afghanistan, everybody stateside wearing that uniform is some gunny sergeant or some chief, and... There are just as many females doing the exact same thing. There are approximately 2.2 million women veterans that have served since the Revolutionary War. And I think people need to know that. And when we take off the uniform, we need supportive care. We need essential services, not, not social services. I mean, we, we just need help transitioning. The transition is not easy for everybody. We're not taking off the uniform and going into these great government jobs. No, amen. That is, mm-hmm. That's not the story for everyone. It may be the story for some, but for most, that is not the case. And I it, it, just raising awareness. Just, mm. You know, if you see a post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, just like the post. Share it if you don't have any money. That's how you can support us right now until we can have those in-person events again. Right on. Well, we most certainly will. And uh, we will look at finalsaluteinc.org as just a great place where a donation could be made. Because if it's anything that this era, this this crazy year 2020 has taught us, uh, it's that the dents and dings that 
you know, chink our armor are, are not unique to one specific kind of person or one specific part of the uh, socioeconomic spectrum. Look, it ain't just Poe people that are having problems right now. All kinds of people are having some problems because the economy's upside down. We're in this tumultuous era. And if there's a if there's some place that can help and offer hope, it sounds like it's finalsaluteinc.org. And I'm so pleased that you're sharing not only your personal story and your journey to get where you are today, but uh, sharing, you know, this beauty and skills competition, Miss Veteran America, so that we can all, uh, you know, hear more stories and really encourage everybody to find out more about the great work and the safety net that Final Salute offers. Because if it's anything I've learned from living outside Washington, D.C., I'm not holding my breath for any congressman to save the damn day. I'm going to really... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to rely on former enlisted officers like you that uh, are going to make a difference. Uh, As we close here, I wanted to ask, we are in this crazy year and we have seen so much pain, so much, so many problems, you know, a virus none of us wanted uh, racial injustice that so many didn't really speak about as frequently as it needed to be spoken about. Um, And now we're kind of in this just upsetting time where everybody's kind of pissed off um do you have advice in light of you know you are um although this is radio you don't know but i mean you are a proud strong african-american woman um do you have any advice any final thoughts for what america should be learning right now what should we be doing is it about yelling and screaming and protesting or 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 is it something you know more raw and you know just just more basic that we could be doing? Well, uh, thank you. That's a great question, Phil. I'm I'm African-American and Native American, um, and I think right now is a great time to have the difficult conversations that have been swept under the rug. Certainly people are within their rights to protest, but uh, my question to them is, now what? I can't spend my life protesting. Now what? What is the, the deliverable here? What's the end game? What do you want? And what are you going to do about it? I think it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. I I don't think that the rest of your life is meant to be one big protest um, and tearing up property. I think have the hard conversations. And and while having those hard conversations, be open to listening on both sides and do the work. Um, It was not by happenstance that I am where I am. I I didn't just move from being a mess cook to a professor of economics by resting on my laurels, by protesting the system and saying how unfair it was. I worked. There were several nights where I didn't go to sleep. I studied my butt off to compete with the students who were familiar with econometrics, that were familiar with calculus. I worked, and I think it's time for um, these groups to do the work. Amen. And part of doing the work is supporting the Ms. Veteran America contest. Part of doing the work is supporting organizations like FinalSaluteInc.org. And part of doing the work is sharing the story, just like you, Lieutenant Yvonne Armstrong. Uh, Just been an absolute pleasure. I could talk to you for hours and days. You know that (laughs) because every time we're on the phone, we chat for about five, 10 minutes. Um, Great, great stuff. And I just thank you so much for being on the show. You're more than welcome. Thank you for having me. And for more details about how you can help support their mission, check it out at msveteranamerica.org.
Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now in our next segment, we're going to talk about something very near and dear to the veteran's heart. The caregivers. Just ask any veteran and they'll agree that they're alive and thrive thanks to someone in their life that cares. Now, for most of us, it's our spouse. And I'm literally here right now to tell you that this show isn't even possible without the support of mine. She puts up and has put up with quite a lot. But it does come with a significant price. See, in the best of times, the five and a half million family members and friends caring for wounded and ill veterans face critically high rates of things like isolation and depression, social detachment. And in this era of the coronavirus, well, it's caused those already elevated levels to spike and it cannot be easy. Which is why we're going to talk about the caregiver community connection with Jennifer McInday, who hosts sessions with fellow advocates and experts on useful topics and healthy lifestyle hacks. She comes to us as a spokesperson for the Wounded Warrior Project and the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. Jennifer, how are you? Hi, Phil. I'm good. We're we're making it. We are. And as we were just talking, a crazy world. You're calling me from Florida. And I know that, uh, you know, boy, we've seen some levels down there. Everything good in your world down there? We're doing well. We're uh, wearing our masks and trying to be respectful of everyone's space and wash our hands and, and keep each other safe. And that's what's important. And it's truly important because of what you're dealing with and because of your role as a caregiver. Uh, before we get into the C3 program, and these webinars that you're hosting with all kinds of cool information. Share with me a little bit about your caregiver story and how you became one. Sure. Well, I was actually working in the radio industry and raising my family. Um, and my brother was serving in the Army in Mosul, Iraq. And in 2005, he was wounded by an improvised explosive device during combat operations. And I found myself plunged into the role of caregiver like so many people, it's not something that you plan for. It just happens one day. And really spent uh, several years working on in survival mode, you know, making sure my brother had his health care needs taken care of, trying to just get through one day at a time and not really having any idea what my future would look like, what his future would look like. And I'll be honest with you, that was very socially isolating. I felt very distanced. Um, didn't have a lot of answers to my questions and really found myself in a very dark place. Um, I'm very thankful to Wounded Warrior Project who helped me find support and resources and find support and resources for my brother through the independence program, um, but, and also the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, which has created a, a network of caregivers that um, I now know is there to support me no matter what, and I, I hope caregivers can uh, connect through through the Elizabeth Dole Foundation the way that I did. And that is one of the great things about kind of what the Elizabeth Dole Foundation has done, what the Wounded Warrior Program has done. It created these kind of these forums where the caregivers can get together and they can share information, share experiences, share resources. And now you guys are doing it through this Caregiver Community Connection webinar series. And I found it interesting to see that you guys are using healthy lifestyle hacks. Um, <laughs> share with me what C3 is about and, you know, what some of these healthy lifestyle hacks are all about. Well, you know, aside from the struggle in the beginning to get information or medical supplies, caregivers were also struggling just to connect with one another, to, to have support. 
Uh, we are all staying home and socially distancing, and that's something that um, caregivers and their veterans have done, you know, for a long time. Many of them have have been isolated because of their medical conditions, but this took it to a whole new level. We weren't even going to doctor's offices or therapy appointments outside of our home. So uh, we began thinking of ways that we could connect with caregivers, give them, I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to simplify it by saying entertainment, but just giving them a way uh, to take 30 minutes, to take an hour, do something for themselves, and come out on the other side of that hour feeling a little bit better, feeling more supported, and maybe having a, a tool in their toolbox they didn't have before to help keep themselves healthy, keep their mind mindset strong. Phenomenal. And share with me one of the cool things or just an example of something cool you guys have talked about or that you've learned. You've got to keep your cup filled. And one of the things that, that you can do is exploring a, a new hobby or revisiting an old one. And we, we spent some time talking to Lee Woodruff during one of the C3 episodes. just about writing and journaling and sharing your story and how cathartic that can be. Even if nobody reads it, it can really make you feel good to write things down. And uh, we got some tips from Lee Woodruff uh, about how she, her writing process, she gave us some writing prompts, and uh, that was a really special episode. We had some fun episodes, too. We had the CEOs of Wonder Warrior Project and the Elizabeth Bill Foundation, Mike Lennington and Steve Schwab, were on a show, um, and they both shared recipes for healthy tacos. We did that one on uh, a Taco Tuesday, and we talked about, you know, ways you can season your food without salt and um, another really popular episode, uh, we had Amy Mooney-Heffernan from the Travis Foundation on. And, and Amy, you know, she, she shared a lot with how we can uh, change the way we think during these negative situations to really have a more positive outlook. Well, we've also done relaxation breathing. We've done workouts together. Um, we've tried to just uh, have a spectrum of topics to discuss. In addition to all this, uh, you also have a podcast you told me about. Tell me about that real quick. I do. I co-host a podcast with Mary Hahn Ward, This Caregiver Life, and we explore all kinds of caregiver topics, uh, share caregiver stories. We have guests and tell us what kind of support and services they have for caregivers, and it's really been a, a wonderful way to engage, to take some things that I've learned, take a little pain from my life and turn it into something good. And uh, we, we just love hearing from other caregivers. And that is the podcast Caregiver Life. This Caregiver Life. This Caregiver Life. Absolutely love it. Jennifer McIndate, we're talking about the Caregiver Community Connection. And uh, I salute you. Thank you for everything that you've done as a caregiver and, and, and for all these resources and for putting these webinars together. Well, I appreciate that, Phil. And I want to invite everybody listening that whether you're a caregiver or you just support them, if you visit the Elizabeth Dole Foundation at hiddenheroes.org, you can learn all about C3, which is powered by Wounded Warrior Project and uh, made, made possible with our partnership there and is also supported by the VA, which has provided us a lot of information during this crazy time about how to access, access resources virtually. And uh, I hope that, that folks will join us for C3. It's open uh, not just to caregivers, but also to veterans and to the public. Anybody that is supporting caregivers and veterans in their community, we want you to join us. Very good. That website, one more time. Hiddenheroes.org. All right, hiddenheroes.org. And it's the Caregiver Community Connection. Jennifer McAday, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Phil. 
Now, if you want to hear more from today's guests, you can find Ion Veterans at ConnectingVets.com. Just check out the drop-down menu and look for the audio section. You can also rely on ConnectingVets.com for military news and stories about the veteran lifestyle. And you can always count on me for hot takes, spicy memes, and salty opinions on Twitter at PhilBriggsVet. I'm Phil Briggs for ConnectingVets.com, and I'll talk to you again when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Eye on Veterans Weekend has been presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. Choose from 90-plus programs and specializations to accelerate your military or civilian career and find out how our dedicated military and veteran advisors can help you navigate your benefits to save you time and money. University of Maryland Global Campus. Find out how we're made for you. Visit umgc.edu. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.